Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Westwood One presents The Polsters. The Polsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So before – we're going to have a surprise for you after we do the top lines. But first, we're going to do – how you've spun this. It's a surprise. But first, the top lines with a little song. This week's top lines, the Sessions Sessions. We'll talk a little bit about whether Americans even know who Jeff Sessions is. Uh, we'll also talk about the Bourne legacy. No, the Obama legacy. How people are looking at President Obama as he f- heads out uh, of office. From Trump bump to Trump slump, we'll take a look at the latest poll that tracks whether or not Donald Trump's surge post-election has continued or not. Um, does repeal have appeal? We'll look at a little bit of polling around the Affordable Care Act. Monday was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. How does the thin blue line feel about various issues? Uh, We think the pollsters sound better on vinyl. We're pretty old school. It turns out that people think that books are not too old school as well. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about polling on the rumors around the iPhone 8 and what people think the new features there might be. But first. Right. There's lots of other rumors, but the rumors are on iPhone 8. That's what we're going to talk about. That's the rumors we're talking about today. Uh, But before we get into that, this episode of The Pollsters is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. If you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Go try it for free. Yeah, go check it out. It's our first sponsor, and who doesn't want free stuff? And Thanks make for it... being first, ZipRecruiter. Right. Yay, we're very excited. And we both had new staff start this week, so we very much know how important it is it's to make so, sure you get. Yeah, the hiring process, folks. like especially in Washington, you've got to, you know, you're going through your friend networks and things. And so, um, but we just had, we had our first Echelon staffer who has, 
left us on, on like great terms. She just got a really cool job on the Hill. But now I'm like, oh, I have to go find someone to replace her. So I think I might actually use this free trial. Yeah. To go find. I'll never find a new Christie. But maybe I can get some candidates. <laughs> That's right. So this week's poll of the week. So. Look, new listeners, maybe you don't know this, but folks who've been with us on this journey for a while know there is polling literally about anything out there. So there is polling about moviegoers and how they feel about Donald Trump. There's polling about Meryl Streep. There is polling about Jeff Sessions. Whatever's going on, there is polling about it. So we have found and polling pe- does not end with the election. It does not end with not the election. It doesn't have to come out that day. It can still, you know, it, there's still polling out there that can be helpful. So uh, PSB had done some work with Civis, the data folks, um, looking at uh, moviegoers and how they feel, their favorability toward Trump and folks who go to the movies over six times a year, those lucky people, they must not be parents of young children. They are... Two-thirds of them are unfavorable toward Trump. People who don't go to the movies, only half are unfavorable toward Trump. Trump doesn't do very well, right? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But he does particularly not well with frequent moviegoers, maybe because they're young, perhaps. Um, because once you have kids, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how many grandparents come into town. It's just the movie go- – going to the movie theater it just goes completely – it feels like window. suddenly an unnecessary experience. Like, I can just Netflix this. But I, I'm still unfavorable to Trump just in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> well, <laughs> there was a poll that uh, Vanity Fair did, I think in conjunction with 60 Minutes back a couple of years ago, where they asked people, who's your favorite actress in Hollywood? And Meryl Streep came out on top, narrowly edging out Julia Roberts for the... So people are not unfavorable toward Meryl Streep, well, most likely. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it I, would, I would suspect she has a better fave on fave than Donald Trump. I don't know how much better. And I did say on Good Morning America that if the choice is NFL fans plus Donald Trump fans or Meryl Streep fans, I feel like the first bucket's probably bigger. Yeah, the the football the thing. The dig that on was football and MMA was like, oh, come I on. I know. I know. I was like, oh. I, I, you know, I saw that it was happening no, afterwards. No, no. I'm like, oh, what'd she say? I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. But yeah. Anyway, it's all over. Um, it, that, that little news nugget, I guess, is over. And now we've moved on to actual real news for the rest of the week. Um, but there ha- also, just in terms of timely stuff or stuff in the news, though this poll is not current, there's actually polling on Jeff Sessions just so people have some idea of what his hard idea is or his favorability is as they're thinking about the um, the hearings that have been going on this week, I and mean, even just today, just before we started to record. And this is from November. So this is from like right after the election. So not that long ago from The Economist and YouGov. And over, you know, over half could give some kind of impression of him. He had only 45% say don't know. But he's a little bit more negative than positive. He's got 31% fave, 24%. No, thirty-four percent, thirty percent unfave, twenty-four percent fave. So he's a little bit more unfave than fave, but not by a lot, not dramatic. And it was it's older respondents who are much more likely to have an opinion at all. Two thirds of senior citizens, sixty-five and up, had an opinion of Jeff Sessions, overwhelmingly positive. Forty percent feeling good about him. For younger voter groups, far less likely to know about him at all. And then among those who do know about him, 
far less likely to say they like him. So and, it's very – I assume that's what party – I mean – Right. It's going to be driven right. by party. But African-Americans, you're probably wondering how they – you know, what their uh, favorability towards Sessions. So he has 52 percent say don't know among that population. And then a third say they're very unfavorable. Single digits for everything else. So I don't know if the hearings will change that. Probably not. We'll see. My friend Sarah is the one who's doing all of the communication stuff for sessions. Like oh, each I did of see each that. of these That's people right. gets like a sherpa that like helps them and is there, you know, like we're going to get you through this hearing and then we're going to do your communications for you and so that's what Sarah's been up to the last couple of days. So I've gotten to learn a little bit more about Jeff Sessions and I mean, it seems like he's doing what he needs to be, you know, what he needs to be doing, I guess. What can one what can one do really to shine up a of what is seems to me a very clear record on civil rights, but you know, in terms of saying the you know, saying the things one should say to address these issues. Yeah, but he didn't back away from certain like so for instance, he got grilled on like, okay, Roe v. Wade. You've said that it's the most horrible law ever. What's your take? And he didn't like back down from that. He said, yeah, I think it's the most horrible law ever. But I also think that it's the law and I will uphold it. So it seems to me that of all of the people that are being confirmed, he, I, it would surprise me if that one didn't work out. Yeah, no, that's probably one of the most Rex likely to Rex Tillerson, go. on the other hand. Rex Tillerson, I know. But I had, it, I felt a little bit of a bomb. I'm sick, as folks can probably tell. And so then basically the only, there are very few things that have made me feel better over the last week with so much terrible news. One is young Pope jokes on Twitter. Please <laughs> send me your young Pope jokes. I didn't even jokes. know what this was until I saw you tweet about it. I and then I could not. It. I could not take it. It was so funny. Um, Cory Booker <laughs> at the hearing today. I mean, this is a sign I'm a real, I'm, I'm a kind of a nerd. And then. And, um, and like my children. And that's it. Like everything else is making me feel like I want to hide under the covers because that's how I feel about the news right now, plus my own illness. So anyway, um, moving on, though, Obama's legacy. He had a farewell speech last night. We're recording on today's Wednesday, right? We had a farewell speech last night in Chicago on Tuesday. And so there's a lot of polling. We haven't really talked about Obama very much this no. past year. He kind of took a back seat to the mayhem. I mean, when we would talk about him, we'd talk about how his numbers were so much better than Hillary Clinton's and Donald Trump's. Yeah. Um, but we did talk on the last show about if he were to be in a head-to-head matchup with Donald Trump, he would not necessarily like win by a couple of touchdowns. Right. That was that morning consult yes. that we talked about last week. So Gallup then asked, did you know, the big message in Obama's farewell address was, yes, we did. We made progress on all of these fronts. Um, so Gallup has asked people, did the U.S. gain or lose ground under Obama on a whole series of different things? So the areas where people give Obama the highest marks, where we've made the most progress, um, the situation for gays and lesbians, 68 uh, percent of people say that we've made progress, while only 16 percent say have lost ground. On the issue of energy, 46% say made progress, 23% say lost ground. On climate change, 33% say made progress, 23% say lost ground. Um, economy, yep, that's 40, a big one. 42% made progress, 36% lost ground. I feel like that's another one of those ones, though, that we're getting into things that are much more going to be party ID driven. So yeah. healthcare, healthcare is a wash. 43 say we've made progress, 43 say we've gone backwards. Um, the situation for blacks which is how they've worded it in this question, uh, they find that only 33, only 30 percent of people think we've made progress. Thirty seven percent of people think that we have lost progress. Uh, or and that's consistent with some other things mm-hmm. we've seen where people feel that race relations have gotten worse. 
Um, but it's interesting, these questions that they say, the yeah, situation. On, on the specific, on the question of race relations, which is separate. Oh, right. Here's a separate one. That's a, a yawning gap. Only 25% right. think that race relations, we've made progress. 52% think we've lost ground. The areas where things have, are, he gets the worst marks are the gap between the rich and the poor, crime, and federal debt. So there are some areas where people clearly are, say we've made progress, but there are other areas where there are bigger questions. Yeah. Uh, there's also, but by the these way, numbers are still better than what the perception was, and also this is a perception, not you know an actual measurement. It may change. Mm-hmm. They had a, and I didn't include it because it just was getting the script was getting too long. But they had a grid also for perceptions under George W. Bush, and it seemed like there were fewer in the positive column that there was more worry that we were on the back foot on when George W. Bush left office and he left office. It, it, it was, it, there was a lot of animosity toward him in that last, you know, during his last like few months. So that wouldn't be a surprise. Well, during the time that Barack Obama has been president, uh, 85% of Republicans have named big government to be the biggest threat facing the country when compared against big business and big labor for independents. It's 66% for Democrats. It's 48%. Um, I was actually surprised uh, that 48 percent of Democrats name big government to be the biggest threat compared to big business or big labor. That surprised me that it was that high during the last eight years. Yeah, I mean it- – be, and and it that's low. It's vi- it's very similar, by the way. I think the most interesting thing about this chart, which shows how did people of each party view the threat of big government under each of the last three presidential administrations, Democrats have always had about 50 percent. About 50 percent have said, yeah, big government's a big problem. Right. For independents, it's been between 56 and 66 percent. For Republicans, when George W. Bush was president, they didn't care so much about big government. It's Their numbers are very close to where independents and Democrats fall. But when Democrats are in the White House, specifically Barack Obama, the numbers saying big government is the big problem just shoot through the roof. I mean, this is kind of a goofy question. They've been asking it since the 60s, so I can appreciate the like, gallop. Is big Does labor want- even a fr- – I never even hear the phrase big labor anymore. It's because labor's not as big. Well, I mean, that's it, – it was – it used to be higher than big business as a threat back in the 60s or 50s. It's not clear when the first taking of this is, but a while ago. Um, and now it's in single digits. It's a, You know, you have to pick one of the three, big labor, big business, big government. And now no party group picks big labor. So it's not like Republicans are more worried about big labor. I mean, you know, everyone feels kind of similarly because I guess of the perception of the strength of labor – um, relative to years past. Um, but it's still kind of a goofy question because what are people thinking about when they're saying big government versus big business? Well, I'm always the biggest – I get so frustrated anytime Republicans talk about big government because I just keep remembering that focus group I did where the girl did not know what big government was. She thought I was talking about like, the literal size of the buildings. Was oh, like, really? Oh, yeah. That happened in a millennial focus group. And I was like, all right, well, uh, maybe we should – Maybe we should rethink this big government phrase because she didn't seem dumb. Like it wasn't like at other points in the group it was like, oh, it's – you know, sometimes you get weird respondents in focus groups. That, she didn't strike me that way. But she was genuinely like half kidding like big government. Do you mean like the buildings? Wow. That's good. Yep. So anytime Republicans talk about big government, I'm kind of like, uh, 
Well, they're going to... Can we find any other way to phrase this? Well, thanks to this segment, they're going to keep on talking about it. Yep. <laughs> That's not going to change. So Barack Obama's approval rating has generally been okay during his presidency. I mean, it started yeah. off, he had a pretty good honeymoon-ish period, but even in sort of the bleakest times... Obama's approval rating hovered in the mid 40s. We right. were never, t- he had never lost, was it 47%? Mitt Romney's number? I believe <laughs> I so. I always go for the 47%. He never really went that far below 47%. No, and has now been in a pretty strong spot for now, the last Now, on issues, months. it would be different. You know, do, do you approve or disapprove of the job Obama's doing handling the economy, handling foreign policy? Like those would go lower, but overall, his numbers were always pretty decent. And he's even, and this is from SurveyMonkey and our friend uh, Mark Blumenthal, it's even his approval rating has even gone up a little bit among Republicans. And it could be because he's leaving and what have you. It could be because he's, you know, they see him as lame duck. He hasn't made, you know, you know see him making decisions right now. Who knows? But, um, but even among Republicans, he's been a little bit of an uptick. Not that they're giving him high approval ratings, but that he's inched up ever so slightly. But here, who, who hasn't inched oh, up? Oh, the Trump ump becomes so the Trump slump. So slightly. Quinnipiac, uh, they, it, they are the first high-quality pollster to poll on Trump twice since the election, they announced. Um, gold star. Gold star. Uh, so in uh, late November, Trump's favorables went up. They had been 34%. Not great. We discussed it. We discussed it. Not great. They went up to 44%. Better. Right. Not bad Um, these days. Uh, They're back down. It was movement. It was movement. It was movement in a good direction. Everybody loves a winner. Uh, That number has dropped back. Not all the way back down to 34%, but 37%. So we're – the post-election high is gone. Um, It's back where it was during the campaign. Um, I mean, these numbers are basically the reverse of where Obama's numbers are in the same poll. I don't think that's a coincidence. Right. Uh, Quinnipiac shows a drop in confidence in Trump across the board. Uh, In November, 49 percent of people were optimistic about the next four years under Trump. That number has fallen to 52. That's still not a bad number. I mean, you've got a lot of people that say, I have an unfavorable view of Trump, but I still think things might get better. Right. And we saw that in the poll I mentioned I don't, last I've week. I've not seen any polls to me that suggest that people are like en masse rooting for Trump to fail or like want to see all of his cabinet nominees stopped. Or, I mean, people may not love him and his numbers are certainly No, I don't want him luster. to fail because if he fails, that means, you know, he kills <laughs> us all, you know. So I guess I want him to succeed. And by succeed, I mean him not do anything completely insane. <laughs> I guess um, that's what that means. I don't know how I would answer these questions based on that feeling, but that's, you know, that's in part what's going on but here. But I don't feel optimistic. <laughs> so that's a, I guess, a separate dimension. Um, but on this on this question of do you approve or disapprove of the way Donald Trump is handling his responsibilities as president-elect, uh, only a third of independents feeling positive about uh, Trump. Men are pretty split. Women really not, not super feeling feeling the Donald. Um, when you take a look, though, at white voters, um, if you are a white voter with a college degree, 58 percent disapprove. If you are a white voter without a college degree, only 34 percent disapprove. So that big gap even within white voters right. still exists. Very much mirrors what happened in the election. And then they also ask this question, should Trump keep his personal Twitter account? 
Everybody loves this question. I heard someone on TV say Twitter should take – they should suspend Trump's Twitter account. I'm like, oh. That's not good. For like abusive content? I don't. I'm like, that's a – I mean, like that's a nice thing. I mean, you you can say that. We can all think that. The polls suggest that maybe people would agree because two-thirds feel that he should not keep his personal Twitter account. If he tweets something like declaring war on North Korea, could Twitter be like, hmm – this is inciting violence and violates our terms of service. We are removing this tweet. Right? I mean... <laughs> to stop America from s- getting into war. They suspended Martin Shkreli, you know? Um, so, I don't know. Uh, for, for you know, infractions. Who knows? But, uh, I, I, so, that may come up again if, as president, he starts to kind of circ- continue, I should say, circumvent the usual channels of diplomacy with his thumbs. Well, so the big fight that is brewing in Washington these days beyond the confirmation hearings is what's going to happen with Obamacare. For a long time, Republican politicians have promised their voters that on day one, day one, they're going to repeal Obamacare. Well, day one's a coming, kids. Depends on what your definition of one is. Depends on your what, – what is the definition of one? Uh, so the um, American Action Network uh, did a poll uh, with – it was a GS Strategy Group was the pollster um, – Trying to assess where voters stand. And, conservative uh, group, so that's not yeah, to be confused uh, yeah, American with global Ac- strategy. Right. Um, an American Action Network is a, a conservative group. Um, Douglas Holtz Eakin is the the face of them who goes on TV to talk about po- uh, policy all the time. So they found that a majority of likely voters would like to see ACA undergo full repeal or major changes. Only 21% said just repeal it. Um you have to add in the then 32% who say make major changes to it and then you get your majority. Um, very few people want to leave it as it is. Only 37.3%. Uh, there's a, a – the plurality says make some tweaks to it. Make some minor changes. Um, and for those who are dissatisfied, they think it's because the Affordable Care Act is not particularly affordable. Um, the number one sort of beef with the law is that it's too expensive, that it has increased the cost of care. Um, and when asked, you know, the follow when you give people instead of asking them to volunteer their biggest beef, when you say here are the things people think are a problem, um, even in that the context of that question, you still wind up with a plurality of people saying that the increased cost of health insurance is their biggest problem with the ACA. But for as frustrated as people might be, uh, I, I when you get into this question of how do you sequence this? Okay, so you repealed it. Do you replace it right away? Do you replace it a month down the road? Do you replace it a year down the road? What does that all look like? Devil's in the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, they then asked a question, would you favor or oppose a plan that repeals the Affordable Care Act if you knew it would establish a realistic, modest transition period (laughs) to get a new system up and running, letting people keep their coverage while they wait for the new law to be in place? Oh, well, that sounds nice. It sounds lovely. This to me is like a a message test, right? Like if if your message about – Repeal and then we'll replace a little bit later. If this is your message, if you could repeal it delightful. and have it stay the same at the same time, how would you feel? Well, that sounds pretty good. Repealed, but nothing will actually change. Continuity would change. Continuity would change. Um, so then it's repeal works if it doesn't actually change anything. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, I mean, it's, you know, I think the other polls like Kaiser and other folks, they still, I mean, look, the Affordable Care Act, 
Forty-seven percent. Say do not repeal. I'm know, sorry. Right? Every time I see forty-seven percent on the oh, show, it's gonna I'm going like, to for the for the end of the time. Myself. And it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's <laughs> still divided. Like there's lot. There continues to be tracking. Kaiser is the place where you see the most tracking. It continues to be divided. Like there's just you know that hasn't changed. Like sometimes it goes up and there's a story. Sometimes it goes down and there's a story. But basically. A, you know, Obamacare support continues to be pretty divided. Um, so when Kaiser asks it, no, you know, should you repeal? Um, almost half say don't repeal. A fifth say repeal immediately and work it out later. Or And about a little over a quarter say wait to repeal until there's a replacement. I mean, it's still, you know, they have another poll that sh- – another question that shows repeal, support for repeal is – further below other kinds of tweaks. I think however you slice it, it's still divided as a broader concept, but repeal doesn't have a mandate. There isn't a mandate for like, yes, let's go and repeal. Yeah. When it says, which of the following should be a top priority for President-elect Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress, according to this morning consult poll, 26% pick repealing the 2010 ACA, sometimes referred to as Obamacare. That result gets a plurality. Um, but it's only 26%, 23% pick job creation, 7% pick trade deals, 12% pick comprehensive tax reform, 10% pick infrastructure. Huh. So I'm amazed you know, infrastructure. That's good. Good for yeah, infrastructure. Yeah, so, so it's kind of it's kind of split all over the place. So ACA repeal is the top with a plurality, very close to job creation. But again, I think that one it's been such a like focal point for one side of the political aisle, whereas yeah. all of these other things it's a little more diffuse. I do think, though, on this um, Kaiser poll where they say, OK, how important do you think it is to lower the amount individuals pay for health care? 67 percent say top priority. Like, well, yeah, no, yeah. no freaking joke. Everybody <laughs> wants health care to be cheaper. That sounds nice. So, like, when, so when that one gets a significantly higher proportion of people saying top priority compared to repeal, that doesn't actually – like just from the question wording alone – Repealing the 2010 health care law, I mean, a lot of Republicans would argue, is a piece of lowering the amount. Right. Of, so uh, I, I don't, I don't want to quibble with it too much. prescription painkiller addiction? That's also in the list. Well, I'm looking at lower the cost of prescription drugs on this list, yeah. which we had just watched Trump's presser before he walked in here, where he all of a sudden talked about how the drug companies have all moved manufacturing overseas and now they're making a killing and blah, blah, blah. And, and immediately in echelon slack one of our colleagues like pulled up the stock price of one of the pharmaceutical companies and it had just like it had lost four percent of its value like in the five seconds after he He's said making america great again he is sending the with stock market one, on a wild ride with one well-crafted speech after another so i was like oh man to be on the wallet pharma these days uh, so we'll see what happens with repeal and replace someday. But it, I mean, I guess the bottom line is it makes sense that Republicans now, faced with the actual job of tackling this, would not rush in like their firemen into a burning building. That that's not actually where the voter sentiment lies. Not, not that's ever stopped anybody from doing. And anything, I think they have to be careful nav- to navigate where does Donald Trump fall on this? Because I think he was asked about it today, and he doesn't have like a very detailed answer of what he would want in replace. Now, he may not care, but if all of a sudden he gets the sense that congressional Republicans are putting together a plan that's going to make voters mad at him. He'll throw them all right under the bus. Yeah. I would suspect. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. So he, he doesn't strike me as a healthcare policy wonk. I mean, and he, look, he may not care. He may be like, 
Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell. He'll just send his doctor. Price, his, Mike Pence. Y'all do you do you. Do, he'll send Doctor Bornstein in to <laughs> to fix it. As I forgot about him. Healthcare advisor. Uh, so <laughs> anyhow, that's. Uh, I, I think the more interesting fight over health care is not going to be between Republicans and Democrats. It's going to be between branches of government for the next couple months. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay. So moving away from presidential politics, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, police. Uh, so this week it was uh, – you had Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Um, my hometown of Orlando, uh, there was a police officer who was killed. Um, she was one of the officers who had responded to the Pulse nightclub shooting. Oh, um, I didn't know that. 42 years old, like really well loved in the community, a mom, like very sad. Um, so at the same time that, that it is Law Enforcement Appreciation Week and we have this tragedy, um, we have Pew has put out a report where they surveyed about 8,000 local officers. It's the first nationally representative measure of police reaction to the debate over officers' treatment of black Americans. Um, and that's incredibly hard to get a population like this. I've looked into it. It is not yeah. easy to do. It looks like they they there's the National Police Research Platform, which can put you in contact with officers who are departments with at least 100 officers. Um, and... I'm just I'm I mean just so like setting aside the results I'm just I am fascinated that they're able to because getting populations like this this is hard to do in at this level of scale as well yeah um so they were also then able Onla to survey done online and by mail oh mail survey August through September yeah wow. I mean that's you know I've taken a mail survey before actually very often I will find like political science grad students uh, will want to conduct surveys of political consultants and sometimes it's online but sometimes it's by mail mm. and it's, i'm like oh man we're at the so old bunch. School. oh wait no the the general public stuff is online in my mail the officers are all online oh okay all right sorry well there is still mail polling going on in this still pew you know, uh so what pew finds is that they, the they they've asked some questions to both the general public and police officers they said do you think the deaths of african-americans during encounters with police in recent years are is it signs of a broader problem or are these just isolated incidents? It finds that for the general public, six out of ten think it's signs of a broader problem. But for police officers, 67 percent view these as isolated incidents. Um, police officers don't think that the public understands the risks of their job. Eighty-six percent say that they do not think the public understands the risks that police officers face. Meanwhile, 83 percent of the public. Yeah, say, so, no, we got they it. They do think. We understand. They've got it. Um Nine in ten officers say they view these protests as driven by anti-police bias. Uh, there was very little – there was almost no difference whether you were talking to white officers, black officers, or Hispanic officers on this question. Um, and then they also said, well, do you think these protests are also being driven by a genuine desire to hold officers accountable for their actions? And there was a big racial difference among police officers on that question. So every nine out of ten police officers, regardless of race – think the protests are driven in part by people just not liking cops. But 69% of black officers compared to only 27% of white officers think that the protests are also driven by a genuine desire to hold officers accountable. So this is an example of why it's good. sometimes it's good to have a forced choice, either or type question mm -hmm. where you are forcing respondents. Is it this or is it this? And then you really see how do people choose. But that's not but what this question instead was. Instead of saying, which do you think it's more about? This lets you, you could say both. You, you could, could say, say it's either. both. 
or you could say neither, right? And so that, or you could have a higher degree or intensity for one than the other, but still think they're both important. But this tells you something useful without forcing or reinforcing that, that there is a conflict that you can, that it's either bias or genuine concern when it could be a little bit of column A and column B, you know, working in conjunction. So I think that's interesting and like a methodological important tweak here. But, you know, as this is a good, um, coda or a good supplement to all the work we've seen over the last year and a half that showed when you ask African Americans about their perceptions of bias and discrimination and violence in their communities, it's completely different from what everybody else thinks. Yeah. And in fact, when you ask police these questions, their perceptions are completely different from what everyone else thinks. So there is a lot out there on this topic Presumably on other topics too. I mean, we've seen this in other topics, but in this topic in particular, you can see a lot of like, you don't, you do not understand where I'm coming from. My perception is completely different from what mm -hmm. everyone else thinks of, you know, the same set of issues. So it's, I, I, that what I thought was one of the big takeaways from this particular poll. So let's wrap up on some polling then about low tech and high tech. And when I say low tech, I mean books like paper. Books. This is like one of the best things out there this week other than Young Pope Twitter <laughs> is, <laughs> is the fact that people are reading books at the same amount as they always have been, in fact, and on paper. This is from Gallup. 73% of people prefer reading dead tree physical copies of books. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually – I mean, I guess that's good news. I mean, it is good news. It's, it's interesting news. I think it's good news, news that people are just reading books in general. Right. Like, they're reading about, oh, the, the dumbing of America. Everybody's getting so much stupider. And I mean, maybe they're reading Fifty Shades Grey. Or maybe they're reading not, The Selfie Vote. Or maybe they're reading The Selfie Vote, which you can get where all fine books are sold. <laughs> um, but the, the percentage of Americans who say they are reading at least one to ten books a year – it's been a pretty close to half yeah. going going back to uh, the 1980s. Um, you have seen a doubling of the percentage of people who said, I did not read a book last year. But it's still a low number from 8 to 16%. I am sad for that 16% of people. I don't want to judge. So many people are busy. Reading's just not their thing. Right. Okay. Uh, maybe they're listening to podcasts. Maybe they're listening to podcasts. Um, and – and it does give people the option, how many books did you read or listen to? Right. So you, you could just be doing audiobooks. Um, but still, the vast majority of people report that they are reading at least somewhat. Um, yeah. So I did I did think that that – I thought that seemed like good news. Good news. I'm trying to think of what the last book was that I – I finished a book on the plane on the way home for the holidays and now I can't remember which book it was. I'm going to have to go back and look at my Kindle. I read a bunch of like detox and there was a whole bunch – there were a whole bunch of threads on the left. So my fellow Democratic travelers will recognize these threads. Every two days someone would post something like the following. Hi, I would like some recommendations for books that don't have anything to do with anything whatsoever about politics or government or nonfiction. I would like them to be about like puppies and bikinis and, you know, recipes. Any suggestions? And, and, you know, shopping and uh, and people would be like, yes, here. And it was just, you know, people would have this plea for beach books. And um, and so I read I was at the airport like the day after the election or two days after the election. And I saw a book that said I didn't even know what it was about. And it said today will be different. And I'm like, 
That's the book. That's the one I'm getting. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> the right title, the right message, is, the right uh, moment. That's for me. I need that book right now. I think that was in one of the threads. And I so I did read that one. And there were a couple others, but they were from the threads. So. Okay. Oh, the books that I have been, the book that I read. Oh, I finished the screw tape letters. That's the book that I finished. Which I was trying to remember. I've, I'd read it before, but I was rereading it. The C.S. Lewis. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-mm. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, C.S. Lewis is writing a, a, a it's as if it's a series of letters from um, one of like the devil's assistants to like his nephew who is a tempter mm. who's like trying to persuade a guy to like be a bad guy mm. and like do the sorts of things or not even necessarily be a bad guy but just like be the kind of person who thinks everything's okay but you're not act- like you're not doing the right thing mm. um, because the devil wants to like consume as many souls as possible. So it's like, it's actually, a, it's insanely well-written, very entertaining. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. it that was the last po- thing I read. Did it have any political implications? No, before that I read George Stephanopoulos, All Too Human. It's mm-hmm. good. Golden <laughs> oldie. Real interesting read in context of everything. And then Tevi Troy, Shall We Wake the President, which is a book all about how presidents handle Various disasters. So not a detox. Do you list don't of books. don't read Margie, don't read that book right now. <laughs> don't I'm in a very tender Everybody place. Else, guys, I basically can read pic- picture <laughs> books, young Pope Twitter, and like books about like, you know, like like moms. That's like all I can handle. That's like that's it. Or or Cory Booker or Mel- Meryl Street tweets. I don't have to agree with them. That that's just that's just the the reading comprehension I have right now. That's all I can take. I don't want to read any like un- unconfirmed <laughs> documents. I don't want to read like presser transcripts. I can't take it right now. It's just it's not working the for me. The next book on my agenda is it's called Naked Money. It's not what you think. It's not anything dirty. It's a there's an author who's written these books, Naked Statistics, Naked Economics. They're basically extremely engaging, not terribly dumbed down, but like it synthesizes the core stuff you need to know to understand economics. Right. Understand statistics. That I can handle. And so like these I mean, these are classes I took in high school, right? But like this is a if you are a professional and you want to read an engaging thing that like refreshes your memory about like price discrimination and monetary policy. So Naked Money is specifically about monetary policy. Okay, that's good. So hopefully it'll be a good read. All right, last but not least, the iPhone. Yes, so the iPhone. Okay, so people are reading books, but people also want long-range wireless charging. That's what wins the plurality of votes. How does that work? I don't know, but why is it not winning all the votes? Like, why would you want anything else on this list other than long range wireless great, charging? But I'm also kind of terrified. That about would save. It. That would end basically 25 percent of the fights I have with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> that would be basically. And if we could have like long range wireless toothbrushes that did them, you know, did things all by themselves, and then we'd we would cut another 25 percent. So the other options would be a 5.8 inch model with an OLED display, an all glass designed, improved battery. See, I'm just picking improved battery life. I want improved battery life. But if you have long range wireless charging, then who cares about the battery? Oh, uh, I guess you're not going to be like I sitting guess, on the floor of the airport. You're going to just it's going to like charge magically somehow. Oh, speed improvements is at the bottom. Maybe I am complaining about phone speed right now because I'm still using an iPhone 5. Hmm. Uh, no, maybe I have a 6. I have whatever is like two and a half to three years old. My phone is not very new, and it's mostly because I'm worried if I buy one, I'm going to break it immediately. 
and you, it, you don't get the the special like, oh, well, you're re-upping your contract, so the phone's right. actually like it, this is like a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right. of dollars commitment. Right. And I just know as soon as I do it, I'm going to break it. So I'm waiting until I have to. Yes, but that's the phone fair. Is so slow. That's it's fair. So slow now. Well, you need the phone that can keep up with the <sighs> speed of Kristen. Now, what about flat versus curved? So flat wins more. I'm taking my phone out of my case so I can see. Curved. Is this flat versus curved? No, that's flat. I mean, I think it's like the thing itself is curved. I mean, does that mean it's hearkening back to the days oh, when you had like a curved yes. receive, like you had a curved handset? Oh. Oh. Like that kind of curve. Like a curly, like it's a curled, like a moon shape? Yeah, like this, like, oh, like a banana, like, like a banana all. phone. Like imagine if that you're- Wait, or, wait, or, uh, is, I'm, I'm trying assuming to figure out all the ways means. you can make this curved. Because who cares if the corners are curved? If you had like a banana phone curve, uh, that would be like interesting. There's a link here. I'm going to have to click on this link and see what the heck they're talking about. I'm I don't know. Envision. But 7% said, 8% roughly said, don't know, can't decide. As Steve Jobs would say, don't ask people what they want, just give it to them. Something like that. And I hear Par- that a lot from people who are trying – they're like, I don't need research. Steve Jobs didn't do research to come up with the iPhone. I want to be like, well, you're not Steve Jobs. You need focus groups to figure this out. <laughs> your ideas – You can't say that to people. Your though. ideas are not as interesting. You did not – your message – your message is not the iPhone of messages. Let me just tell you that right now. We need to go fix this. Yes. I don't need research to know that you are not Steve Jobs. How about that? <laughs> All right, what did we learn this week? So 2017 is in full swing, and there ain't nothing we can't find a poll on. Welcome aboard, new listeners. Obama's legacy, he leaves office with strong ratings, but people still worry about the role of government. Meanwhile, speaking of the role of government, Trump's bump is bouncing away. Not sure his press conference today did much to help things, but we'll probably know more next week. Police officers, like everyone else, feel misunderstood. Good thing we have this cool new Pew study to explore it. Wireless charging iPhones and people still reading books on paper. Maybe some of the best news we've heard all week. You can find us online at at the pollsters on Twitter or individually at at Margie O'Mero and at Casoltis Anderson. We're at www.thepolsters.com where throughout the week you can find links. Uh, actually, no, at pollsters.com you find the links to the polling resources we think are interesting. It is on Facebook. Yes. At facebook.com slash the pollsters where you can find links to the stuff throughout the week that we think is interesting. Yeah. Um, please write a review. Tell your friends. Yeah, it makes a Get difference. Excited it moves us higher up in hey, the we, thing. We we read ads. Yeah. So I feel does I mean, I feel like super I feel like we're like a we've we're fully legit now. Yeah, we're we're pretty legit now. So um if you've been with us for a while, we're super appreciative. If you're new, definitely write a review because lots of other people did. You should too. Thanks everybody. Have a great week. Bye. A Westwood One podcast production.